In this episode of Call to Marriage, I talk with Stacy Jess, the wife of a veteran, about PTSD within the spouse specifically, how to help your spouse through PTSD, and so much more. This is a heavy calm topic that we're going to be talking about today, so if it's something that you're not quite comfortable with, feel free to join us next week. But otherwise, let's just jump right into it. Hi there! Welcome to Call to Marriage, a show about navigating life as a military spouse. I'm your host, Callie, a newcomer on the scene of what is the military spouse life. The military community is a tight-knit, but sometimes tight-lipped one. I hope to pull back the curtain on life as a military spouse to answer the questions that I wish someone would have answered for me, talk about my experiences I've gone through, or talk about the ones that I'm going through right now. I'm always learning new things about this crazy new life and invite you on this journey with me. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to Call to Marriage. I am so excited to have Stacy with me today. We are doing a bonus marriage bootcamp episode, and I am super, super pumped for this one. I think this is going to be a topic that really resonates in our military spouse community and just community in general. So Stacy, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are, that would be fantastic. Hi, I'm Stacy Jess, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. So thank you for having me on. I wear a lot of different hats, as a lot of us do, right? I'm the stepmom strategist. I help struggling stepmoms go from pulling their hair out to finding their voice and loving their life again. I'm also the founder of a small nonprofit youth and equine ranch called Just Another Chance Ranch. And the focus of what we're here for today is I'm also the wife of my my husband, Jason Just, a Gulf War era army veteran. And we've been married for 23 years now. That is awesome. That's a very long time, congratulations. I <laughs> I would love for you to tell everybody what your marriage story is. Absolutely. Well, I met Jason in college. He had taken his GI Bill and um, was going back uh, to become an educator. He was raising two kids as a single parent. And uh, I met him as this, this dad, this guy in our dojo. So we both took a karate class, which was a PE class at the university. And he first took notice of me when I was sparring with his best friend and his best friend accidentally punched me in the nose and gave me a bloody nose. So that was actually, (laughs) yeah, that was actually how he first took notice of me. And it's a funny story because he's, you know, he's this older guy with two kids, right? And other than that, I didn't know anything about him. He was a little intimidating. So when he first um, asked me out, I, I really actually didn't want to say yes, but I had this rule for myself that if any guy asked me out, I didn't want to prejudge someone based on their looks or whatever. So as long as they didn't give me the creeps and I thought that they were okay, I would go out on one date. And so he jokes and says that I, you know, fell hard for him right away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, the only reason why I said yes was because I had this rule for myself. So it was <laughs> kind of this, <laughs> it was just kind of this funny story for us. So I yeah. love that. What a unique story to have. Be like, yeah, my first impression was his friend punched me in the nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. 
yeah, it was it was a pretty good one. It gave me um gave me uh, black eyes after that. And uh, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, with with a lot of men who have warrior spirits, those types of things are more like a badge of honor. You know, they're mm-hmm. not they don't see those as a bad thing, like to have scars on their body or whatever. Right. Um, so anyhow, um, yeah. So when I when I married him, I became instant mom to his two kids. And um, I was pretty young and I was just thrown into uh, learning what it was like to be a a wife and a mom kind of all at once in one fell swoop. And at first it was really overwhelming. And I had no idea because, you know, when you're dating and you've got those rose colored glasses on, you see like the best of the other person, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, reality sets in and you kind of see the whole person at some point after you're living together. And, um, And I started to realize he had some really deep seated um, issues, emotional issues that would come out. I didn't know for a long time that it was PTSD. It didn't follow like what you think of the typical, um, how how PTSD looks stereotypically. Mm -hmm. Um, So it took me years to come to the realization that that's actually what it was. Yeah, so what what were some of the things that you began to notice that kind of hit that light bulb of like, this is something deeper. This is something that isn't just, you know, everyday stressors. This isn't just like normal childhood trauma. Like this is something deeper. Right. Um, Well, it started with me seeing that he would have just like sudden flare-ups of anger. And most of the time I couldn't understand where it was coming from. It wasn't like something that was obvious to me would start it or cause it. It would just seem to come out of nowhere and it would just flare up instantly. And I was left thinking, wow, what just happened? I'm so confused. Mm -hmm. And then when I would try to talk to him about it in that moment, he couldn't, he absolutely couldn't. He was just completely shut down. And um, I'm the one that wants to kind of communicate and go in and fix things, right? Let's solve it. So we don't have to carry on any emotional um, negative feelings and, he couldn't do that. And so I had to learn to be patient and give him time to be able to come back and talk with me. And that was something that was really hard for me that I had to learn early on. Um, there were a lot of other signs and symptoms too that I eventually started seeing a pattern. He had kind of an isolationism view. Um, when we were dating and even like our first year of marriage, he went from being a pretty social guy. He even like hosted our whole dojo over at his house for a spaghetti feed before we went uh, on like a whole weekend Gaishuku, which is like a whole karate weekend training type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he, so he went from like actually hosting, having people over to like, just like isolated himself more and more. And he would say, I don't need a social life. You know, I have you and I'm, I'm fine. And he would um, bury himself into uh, like TV all the time. Um, for a while, he you know started drinking. So he had these coping mechanisms that I didn't see at first, but they seemed to kind of grow and get worse and almost build on themselves. And so I, I saw these patterns emerging and it didn't seem like over time for the first, I don't know, maybe 10 years, it didn't seem like they were going or getting better. It seemed like they were getting worse. So this, of course, was a great concern to me, and I didn't really know what to do about it. Um, So I had like a lot of trial error um, of things that didn't work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if the viewers can get something out of this, I hope hope that they learn some of the strategies that I tried that absolutely 
did not work at all. And I hope I'm able to at least shed a little bit of light on what started to work for me. And I hope it's the catalyst for other people out there to finding some of their own answers because this is a very heady topic. It's a very difficult one. Um, I came to realize that PTSD doesn't follow like a specific pattern. Mm -hmm. It looks different to different people in different people's lives. He was never physically violent with me. He has a very high sense of honor. Um, he never laid a hand on me. I never felt like uh, my life was in danger. Um, and so in that way, um, I, I'm really blessed, you know? Yeah. Um, and that, that probably made a really big difference for why I was able to stay with him and stick with it. I, I never had to come to the point where I felt like I had to move out for my own safety. And I know for some people, that is the case. That is the situation they're in. And one of the things I had to learn was boundaries for yourself. And those are absolutely key. So I'll talk a little bit more about those in, in a, a little bit, but you know, if, if you are someone who has a spouse and, and you love them, you have to think of your safety and the physical safety of your children first. You know, you guys can work on the emotional stuff later or whatever, but, but that has to be like the first boundary, you know, mm -hmm. no matter how you love them, you can't sacrifice your own safety or the safety of your children. If you have children, because you are teaching them, you are teaching your children what is acceptable for them to be treated by how you allow yourself to be treated. And that's really, really hard because you love your spouse. You would do anything for your spouse, right? You want to help them. You want to see them healed. You want to help them heal, but then you get, you get stuck. So I guess that was a little bit of, of a tangent, but I felt like that was important because PTSD can look so different in so many different people's lives. Yeah, I think that's one of the hard things about PTSD is that it's not so cookie cutter in that you can like see a symptom and you're like, yep, that's what that is. Or you see a reaction to something and it's identifiable as PTSD. It's something that is just so intricate and, and, and has depth to it and it's different and, and people react differently to it. And, and it's, it's hard, I think, too, like you said, to be able to set up those boundaries, especially because you know your person is hurting and you know they're going through something and you can't fully experience or, or, or witness what they're going through because you're not them and you weren't there and you didn't have to experience what they experienced. I know that a lot of times people come back and it is true that they do change, um, but I think that you have a good success story and, and the, the good of, of what can come out of it. And I know that, that not everybody gets a success story and, and I want to be very transparent with that because I don't want it to become construed that the, the tips that Stacey are going to share is going to work for everybody. I think that's a good um, uh, little sidebar to say, but I think that it's very inspiring about the, like, the love that you put into it and, and being able to, to come out in a positive way is an inspiring story. And so I'd love for you to walk through what we as spouses and families can be doing to support loved ones going through PTSD and, and the things that worked for you and your family. And maybe the, that this can help um, another family going through something similar. Sure, absolutely. Um, if, if I may, I'd like to just start a little bit with a few things that I tried that didn't work yeah. and why I feel like they didn't work. Cause I feel like that's a really good learning point too. 
um, I found myself in a place with my husband where I never knew who was going to come out that moment in time. Sometimes it wasn't even for a whole day. It was just a part of the day. Was it going to be the caring and understanding, loving Jason that I, I married? Or was it going to be this other Jason that was somebody that I almost didn't recognize, that I didn't understand, I felt like I couldn't connect with, and it seemed like I couldn't reach his heart. And when he was in that mode, it didn't matter what I said or did, it was always going to be wrong. And it was almost like he saw me as the enemy, you know, and he, and he would like, not physically, but verbally and emotionally fight against me no matter what, and I couldn't reach him. And so it was at those points that it would, it would break my heart. And I'm like, I've got to do something. What can I do? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew that if things kept continuing on the path that they were, because he started drinking a little bit more, he started, um, just like surrounding himself in his own world, like almost his own cocoon, um, and like nothing else affected him or he wasn't thinking about anyone else. And I thought if this trend continues, I don't know how our marriage can last. I don't know how this can continue. And um, so some of the things that I tried earlier on, um, I would, and, I, and I, was, I was knowledgeable enough not to tell him in his moment of anger so I would wait until he had, you know, calmed down and we were at a place where we could talk. Right. So that's mm -hmm. kind of like uh, step number one. Don't try to don't try to talk about what what people can do better or what they did wrong in, in the heat of, of the conflict. Yeah. <laughs> they're, not. Just, they're just going to see that as an attack. You're not trying to help at all. So I, I would wait, try to wait for those right times. But then I would say, honey, you know, you you have an anger problem. I'd like to help you with your anger problem. So telling someone that they, they have a problem, even if it's true, um, it was not helpful. It just immediately got pushed back, right? Um, asking him to go to marriage counseling with me. And I would try to address this as gently as possible. I'd say, you know, honey, I'd really like us to get to a better place in our marriage where, you know, we're communicating better and, um, and we're just going in a more positive direction. Please, can we go to marriage counseling? And he'd always say, no, no, I don't need it. No, no, no way. Uh, they can't help me. They can't fix this. And I don't know, that might have been true. I mean, because he had such deeper stuff going on that maybe mm -hmm. just marriage counseling wouldn't have. Um, all I knew, I was I was trying to create some change, right? Yeah. <laughs> and trying to, trying to pull for any string that I could. Um, and the more that I tried those things, the more he pulled away. Uh, by the other mistake that I made was I tried to solve the problems or issues that would come up um, by myself. So he'd have some sort of like, you know, blow up verbal thing in, within family or visiting family or something. And I'd be embarrassed and it would be very easy for me to just go behind him and say, I'm sorry, he's had a long day. You know, he has a headache. He's not feeling well, you know, and, and just kind of like sort of clean up his mess, right? Trying to smooth mm -hmm. things over trying to not have people be hurt by how he would react or be. Um, the other thing is if I had to tell him something that, you know, cause I believe that we are a partnership, right? I wanna make decisions with him. I, I would rather he not just make decisions arbitrarily without me or me without him. We're, we're a team, right? We should discuss these things together. So uh, when I would have to discuss something with him that I was anticipating him to get angry about, you know, like an area of finances was a big one, or especially earlier on when things were really tight and we were struggling sometimes, 
that I would be like, honey, please don't get angry, but I have to talk to you. And it was like, I would preface our conversations yeah. that way because I didn't know what else to do. And I was just like begging him, don't get angry. Like we need to talk. We're a couple, we need to be a couple here, but please don't get angry. <laughs> and, um, and usually that would just almost put him on the defensive, like, don't get angry. Why? What's going on? What happened? Don't get angry. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> and it would, it would have that, it would elicit the opposite reaction. Um, I would try to reach his heart by telling him that I was for him and not against him. I would just try to appeal like, I love you. I'm your wife. I am for you, not against you. Now, whereas that might help some people in some situations, it did not seem to help him at all when he was upset or angry or he was viewing me as attacking him, whether or not I really was. It was like in those moments, I could not, I could not reach him. He just viewed me as the person to, to be fought. He was, in, he was in defense fight mode like mentally, emotionally. Mm -hmm. So, so those are the things that did not work for me, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how I tried to phrase things. And he would also often come at me and say, well, honey, you're saying things harshly. You're being very harsh. You're being very critical. You're being very judgmental. And at the, and, and I do have a tendency in my own self to just state things kind of bluntly. So it was a time for me to really reflect on how am I saying things? Am I saying things in such a way that could lend itself for somebody being defensive? And it came to the realization that I was. Um, and so I really kind of dove deep and I did a little bit of like online research about communication and things like that. Um, originally I was a teacher by profession. So this is something that I have to study a lot anyway. Um, and I realized, okay, I need to start phrasing things differently. So what did start working for me um, is that I stopped trying to fix his relational mess ups um, with family members when he'd get angry. And I stopped trying to fix things between him and me when he would just blow up and get angry with me. Usually after he'd get angry, it was followed by a period of silence and he would ignore me for one to three days. And those were very, very hard um, for me because I felt completely neglected in those times. Uh, I, I'm not an emotional person, but I would be so torn up inside that sometimes I couldn't sleep at night. It started to affect my health over um, several years of this uh, being in a cycle and it not changing. And I believe in the sanctity of marriage. I believe that marriage is for your lifetime. And um, I believe very strongly in the vows that we gave. So I was willing to fight for our marriage, but it felt like I was the only one fighting for our marriage. And um, I, I started to struggle with my own depression. So when I realized how this was affecting me so deeply that I was even just struggling to want to stay in the marriage. I was struggling even just, I was internalizing all of this stuff. Like it was my fault, like it was on me. Like mm -hmm. I, I failed cause I can't fix it. And I know that those are not rational things but it is how I started feeling and I wasn't finding any answers. And so it, so that's, that's what led to, to struggles of depression. And I realized I, I need to focus on myself and that I think was the biggest shift that actually started shifting everything in our marriage is when I stopped focusing on my husband, whom I really couldn't fix. I really couldn't fix him. And I let go and I started working on myself. So I got myself into counseling and I um, joined a group and, um, 
and they had they gave me a book to read that, that covered all sorts of topics, which included boundary setting. And in this group, I've I found I felt like for the maybe the first time in my life, I was in a place that I wasn't being judged for like how my husband was behaving, you know, or I wouldn't be judged for my my marriage, like almost on the verge of falling apart. They they were just loving me and they were like each person was just talking about their own struggles. And then the leaders of the group would would very gently just guide the conversation. And I felt supported. I think that's what it was. I just felt supported and I didn't feel alone. And then some of the answers on how to set boundaries and how to have a better health, mental health for yourself. The answer started coming in the books and the group discussion and the, and the different things that I was involved in with, with this place. And I didn't realize this, but about two or three weeks after I was actively going a couple of times a week to, to um, this group, I was having both one-on-one counseling and the group. And I guess I started changing how I interacted with Jason so much about three weeks into it. He just said, "Hun, I want to start going there. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> so when I first, when I first told him I was going to this group, I knew he was going to be mad. And he was because he saw it as a personal attack, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's what PTS does is like, it, it turns everything into a personal attack, whether it is or not. And so I'm like, honey, I need to get healthy. And I didn't tell him this. I was scared to tell him this, but I'm like, I am struggling with being so depressed right now. Either, you know, either I, I'm, I'm like at the point where I, I want out, I either want out of a marriage or I have to get out one way or another. Like I can't mm-hmm. continue to live like, you know, like I'm at the point of like imploding. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, so it's like, either I'm going to get myself help and I'm going to get to a healthier, better place or something's going to give it's, it just came to that point. So at that point I was so desperate for help that I didn't care that he was going to be mad. And so, um, so that started my journey, uh, in just a completely different direction for myself and only three weeks into it. I can't believe this is like only three weeks. It just, that still amazes me. So I'm, I'm a person of faith and I've prayed for our marriage and our family my whole life. And it seemed like, you know, nothing ever changed before, but when I just let go and I started taking care of myself, um, and then he wanted to go. He, then he started going, he started going to one-on-one counseling. Of course he had a different counselor and everything. And at that point he started to have some paradigm shifts in his own thinking. And he started realizing that he did have a problem. When I stopped trying to fix his problems, when I stopped covering up his problems, when I stopped covering up his messiness, when I stopped excusing things, he was finally faced with the realization to see clearly that he did have a problem. And so we're both going to counseling. We're both learning how to be healthier. We're both learning how to communicate better. We're both learning how to let go of inner baggage. And it was different for both of us, of course. And it just started us on a completely different path for us. I also did some really practical things. Like I realized that when my husband was saying he didn't want to do something, it wasn't that he didn't want to do it is that he felt like he couldn't. And if I forced him into it, 
then I was forcing him into a corner at where he would come from a defensive position. Mm. So this was a huge light bulb to me. And I'll give you like a little story to illustrate. So part of his isolationism and not really wanting to socialize meant that he often didn't want to go visit family around holiday times. And we had moved to where we're at now about 10 years ago, uh, where his family lives. And so we saw his parents all the time. And I'm about a six hour drive away from my family. And my mom and I had this tradition where we would go um, Black Friday shopping after Thanksgiving every year. And it was just like a visit time. It was like a, a girl's time for us. And, um, but driving that distance was really hard for me. Um, I've had problems and issues with migraines hitting me. And especially if I have to be in a car for a long time. So I never felt like it was very safe for me to drive a six hour trip. What if I got hit with a migraine? I might have to pull over the side of the road and get a hotel for the next 24 hours or something. So it was always very helpful to have somebody drive with me. And it's holiday time. Who wants to go and spend holiday Thanksgiving without your spouse, right? Mm -hmm. So Jason didn't want to go and, and he would just say no. And so for two years, I went by myself and I struggled with kind of the inner turmoil of embarrassment, that feeling like he wasn't supporting me. And he didn't see it that way. He just saw that he was doing what he needed to do because he would feel so uncomfortable that he'd feel backed into a corner and he'd start getting defensive and then something bad would happen, right? Mm -hmm. He was actually trying to avoid a bad situation where he'd have flare-ups. And I didn't recognize that. I just thought he was being stubborn and kind of selfish and wanted to sit and watch TV right? Instead of like um, investing that time in family. So the third year comes around and I'm like, okay, the last two years, hon, I made the trip by myself. One of those years I got hit with a migraine. It's my turn. And he said, no, I decided to put my foot down that it was within my right. It was my turn, right? It was my turn. And I put my foot down and said, no, I, you had two years I'm not even asking for you to share it 50, 50. I'll take a third, but it's my turn. I don't want to drive this year by myself. It's really hard for me anyway. And you owe me. So I kind of, I wasn't trying to guilt trip him, but I think that's how he felt. I felt like I was justified. Like it truly is my turn and we're a partnership and you're my spouse. And so, you know, you should do this for me. Right. Mm -hmm. So he felt pushed into it and we went and it was, it was a fine trip on the way down. Um, but the understanding was that we were going to be with my, my mom and then they switched plans and it was going to be at my sister-in-law's at the last minute. Well, the other thing, you know, PTSD does is that you don't change plans. You don't change something on someone with PTSD if they already don't feel okay about something, right? That's, that's just asking for like a major <laughs> incident to happen. And so I realized after seeing how he was interacting with family, how he was just on guard, how he, he looked just totally stressed the whole time, how he was just like fighting with every ounce of his being to not get angry, to not blow up, to not, but, but his speech was coming out very forced, very, um, you know, the opposite of, you know, what you think of having a good family time. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I realized he just thought I painted him into a corner. I just forced him into doing something that he didn't feel like he could do. And now he's having like this internal battle, like all day, Thanksgiving day. 
And when I realized that, I realized he couldn't help it, number one. And number two, I needed to support him. I needed to recognize when he could do something and when he couldn't. And to come alongside him and tell him, honey, I now understand that you can't do that right now. You're not at a place where you can do that. And I'm not going to try to force you. I'm going to support you. And next time I will tell my family and says, no, we're not going to do that. That's not what's best for my husband. And so when I made that shift, he started feeling more supported. He started feeling like I was more on his side, that I was understanding him, that I was starting to see and understand his struggle. Maybe it was only a little bit of it, but I was finally starting to really see and understand. And so that was a really big shift for us too. So I just, I tried to put on this hat every time when Jason would start resisting something or say no, or say, I don't know, or whatever. I put on this hat that said, look past the offense to the need. And if I could have that filter on, if I could have that vision on with my interactions with my husband, look past the offense to the need. And the offense might be his abrupt manner or saying something that was abrasive or saying no when I thought it was unfair. If I can look past the offense to the need. And sometimes I had to pray about what that was because I didn't know what it was. And I say, Lord God, what is the need here? What is the need here? Please help me understand. Please help me see. And I feel like he did. And from that point on, we started coming together as a real team. And it was still a process of several years, but we started to heal a little bit more and more. Um, we started to both get healthier. And um, the place that we're at now, like it's never been better. And it's awesome. That is awesome. I think it's so inspiring to know that one, it's, it's in a good place, but Two, you were also able to find really valid um, resources for you and your spouse and also things that you could be doing to help empathize a little bit more with your husband and figuring those things out and how to be that supportive spouse, um, but also set up boundaries for you in your own heart and making sure that you're taken care of and you're getting healthy too. I think a lot of times people, it's hard to not feel selfish when you do that, but sometimes that is what's going to start creating the most healing is if you start with yourself first so that you're not digging yourself into situations where you're, you're damaging yourself, trying anything that you can to help keep, you know, the two of you afloat when in reality, you're also drowning. Um, so I think that yeah. that's an awesome story. So I love to ask all of my guests this question. And I, and I think it's really cool to get kind of a quick little peek into different marriages. But if you could go back in time to the day that you became, um, became a spouse, what is a piece of advice, like quick in passing, you're about to walk down the aisle. What's a piece of advice that you would give younger you? I think the first piece of advice that I would give is don't be afraid to have some of those hard conversations before you walk down the aisle. Do it with a heart of love and through the filter of love where you're like, I want us to be as strong as possible before this so that we can more fully enjoy each other and not have uh, some of these hangups later. And if that means having you know, some sort of counselor or whatever ahead of time to help open up some of these hard conversations, then, then do it. Um, 
The second piece of advice I would give is to get yourself into the healthiest place possible, your own uh, mental and emotional health before saying I do. Because the healthier you are, then the better equipped you're going to be to face whatever you need to face because marriage is wonderful, but it's not easy. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and that's just going to set you up for success. It's going to, it's going to pay huge dividends in the long run. Um, the third piece of advice I would give is, is don't give up. Um, but know what you need to do. If your boundary, because you are afraid of for your life or you feel like you are not safe, you need to get yourself to a place where you're safe, period, end of story. Um, so figure out what your boundaries are. And a boundary is not a way of manipulating the other person and saying, well, I won't do that. I won't do this because. Uh, so, you know, if you don't know what a boundary is versus just what you prefer or want, right? Um, then, then get help in really knowing what boundaries are and how to do that. Um, yeah, I think those are the, those are really the main, main points I think I would give to someone. Those are, those are awesome. I, I like the one about the boundaries, I think the most, because I think it's one of the hardest ones <laughs> to complete. Boundaries are, you have to really know yourself to know what your boundaries are. And, and it also takes a lot sometimes to communicate those needs effectively. And it takes sometimes a lot of courage to communicate boundaries. And so definitely think that's an awesome piece of advice. Um, Stacey, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. I know this is such a sensitive topic, um, but I think it's such also a powerful and, and necessary topic to talk about because there are people that are going into relationships or are, are in relationships where this is a, a touch, touchy point. And I think it's beautiful to hear inspiring stories where there is a light at the end of that tunnel. And so if, if you want to go ahead and just let the listeners know where they can find you and what you have going on. I know you talked about a resource that you have um, available to them. That would be fantastic. Yes, thank you. Um, so I've started an online um, a business called uh, Strong Oak Family and it is equipping blended families and I've created a free uh, printable download. Now I realize that a lot of our, our listeners probably aren't blended families, however, a lot of what I've touched on in here today about how to set boundaries, how to have your own emotional health, um, kind of how to fill your own bucket, what your spouse might be going through. I actually hit on all those in a little bit deeper levels in this free printable. So I do feel like there's a lot of crossover and some things that you might get out of it, even if you're not a blended family. So it's called the Stepmom Survival Guide. Since I've been a stepmom for 23 years, um, I just put it like from my perspective, the things that I've learned and lived through things like that. Uh, you can download it from my website. Um, if you either Google Strong Oak Family or the website is HTTPS www.strongoakfamily.com. And you just go to that page and there's a little button that says free gift and you can download it and it'll be sent to you right away in an email. 
Awesome. And I'll also include the links and everything in um, the Instagram and Facebook posts. So keep an eye out for that. Um, as this is a bonus episode, it'll, it'll pop up on the Instagram. Don't you worry. Um, but again, thank you, Stacey, so much for coming on. And thank you to the Call to Marriage listeners. I so appreciate you being on this journey. If you have questions about spouse life, married life, or any questions at all about this journey that you're on, you can feel free to email call to marriage at ask.ctmpodcast at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at call to marriage. Um, They're always open for you. And I know some of you are going through a deployment right now and you've reached out to me and I hope that it is going well for you. If you want check-ins or just to coffee chat with me, I'm also open to that. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to rate and review and subscribe. And as always, I will talk to you all again soon. Bye.